the liturgical sense of the readings at Mass. The magisterium and the theologians of our Catholic Church have spent nearly two millennia making ontological arguments about the effects that the original sin has on our nature. Some common terms used to explain how the sin committed against God by Adam and Eve still affects those who this sin has been propagated to include a weakened human nature, a nature subject to ignorance, a nature suffering from the domination of death. It also includes frequently used words such as wounded and fallen. If I may add another idea into our considerations of thinking about the consequences of the original sin, I would say that what the human nature suffers from is a strong desire to yearn for something less than God. We want something less for ourselves than what God desires for us. We fight for less, we yearn for less, wake up for less, go to sleep for less, hope for less, and pray for less than what God desires for us. Therefore, we see that there is a long-standing conflict between the Creator and the creature in this regard. And therefore, we find ourselves always wrestling with God, tuggling with God, running away from God. Yet, the good news is that no matter the fact that we desire something that harms us or which is below par for us, God never changes his desires for us. Inasmuch as we desire the least for ourselves, God will always want to share with us his best. And there is nothing we can do to make God desire less for us than what he knows we need. In today's first reading from Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5, what the prophets saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days to come was that very thing. A day when it was not man who sets himself up as a king, a king only able to divide the people of God, rather. A day when the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above hills. All nations shall stream toward it, and many people shall come and say, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his paths. Although man in his weakened human nature is inclined towards division, hatred, and war, the prophet Isaiah saw a day of true peace, where men, shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise a sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. We do not have to imagine a day when the liturgical kiss of peace or the sign of peace will come, for it shall come on that day the prophet saw. Moreover, it benefits us greatly to accept the fact that the number of days we still have in the flesh are very short and our personal judgment day can be upon us after the next breath we take. 4. If we were to accept the fact that death and judgment is coming upon us fast, as Apostle says today in today's second reading from Romans chapter 13 verses 11 through 14, 
we will throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light and conduct ourselves properly as in a day, not in orgies and drunkenness, nor in promiscuity and lust, not in rivalry and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. Similarly, in the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 44, our Lord Jesus recapitulated the events around the time of Noah, when people thought that time was on their side and did not heed the warning. So, it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be out in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, one will be taken, and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. So too, you must also be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. I love that the readings for this year A of the first Sunday of Advent are not shy at all in their intentions. Yes, the Christ Mass is coming. Baby Jesus is about to be born in the Virgin. Yes, prepare your gifts around the table. Enjoy your time around the table eating with family. But how would your life be different right now if the Christ Mass that was coming was one of judgment. What our Lord and Apostle is saying is not harsh or radical or impossible at all once we consider the habits that the liturgy is forming in us in a work it is doing to elevate our human nature to a supernature in Him who was elevated on the cross of sacrifice and is elevated before us today on the altar of sacrifice. Truly, the Holy Eucharist itself is an image of a dead thing becoming a living thing. Therefore, how much more can God do in us what He has deemed to do to mere bread and wine? In this way, the liturgy is forming in us proper desires. Yes, we struggle to always desire the good of God. Yes, we want less for ourselves sometimes than what God wants for us. Yet, if we were to just pay attention to the liturgy, what it is teaching us through the four movements, the rites of penance, the liturgy of the word, the liturgy of the Holy Eucharist, and the rites of sending, the etimisa es, or the concluding rite, that the only four desires that God wants us to have, first, contrition, repentance, and confession. That's what the rite of penance is teaching us. That is what is forming in us as the proper desire, contrition, repentance, confession. Then the liturgy of the word is forming us this desire. Two, hearing and responding to his word. Third, the liturgy of the Holy Eucharist is forming us this desire, worthily receiving our daily bread. And fourth, the etimissa s is forming in us this desire to be missionaries of Christ in the world. This is not the space to deeply elaborate upon these 
four holy desires or the freedom we have to organize various subcategories beneath them, but it suffices to ask for now. If these four holy desires given to us from the liturgy are the foundation of our life, what would God have to hold against us? So, therefore, let us work on fostering in our hearts this Advent season the desires that the liturgy of the church has tried to form in us our entire Catholic life. These four desires, again, contrition, repentance, and confession. Two, hearing and responding to his word. Three, worthily receiving our daily bread. And four, being missionaries of Christ in the world. This is just one way how the readings at Mass this Sunday connect to the liturgy and how the liturgy is forming us how to live our lives in the world. Be in the world which you have received through the liturgy. I am David L. Gray. Visit me online at davidlgray.info for more content and context about the liturgical sense of the scriptures.